0: Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews With your host, Aaron Martell Hello there, I'm Aaron Martell and welcome to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews a podcast where I talk about and review a rock album of my choice Today I'm flying solo, no co-pilots But if you're listening and you're interested in coming on the show to review an album with me, I'm always on the lookout for co-pilots to host the podcast with me. There are a few ways to get in touch with me, which I'll go over at the end of the show. So on this week's episode, I'm going to review Anthrax's 1987 album, Among the Living. We're back into thrash metal territory, and here we go with another one of the big four thrash bands. I suppose I discovered Anthrax not too long after I got into Metallica, and it mostly revolved around MTV. Metallica became MTV and really media darlings in 1988, beginning with a video for their song One, and it seemed to open the gates up for other thrash bands to pass through, especially as glam metal's popularity was beginning to wane. Though I was an unabashed glam metal fan, and still am, I was certainly paying more attention to thrash music, and it was the song antisocial from the follow-up to this album, State of Euphoria, that first made me aware of Anthrax and kind of pulled me in. MTV saw the writing on the wall about the state of metal at the time, and was actually promoting Anthrax a bit. And all this attention led me to buy the State of Euphoria album. I liked it. It was heavy, and yet it had a very different vibe from Metallica. And thus, Anthrax became the second thrash band I got into. In short order, I picked up Among the Living, my second Anthrax album I ever owned, and there you have it. Now I'll give you some basic facts about this record. Brought to you by Wikipedia. To Wiki or not to Wiki? That is the question. Among the Living is the third studio album by American thrash metal band Anthrax, released on March 22nd, 1987, on the Megaforce Worldwide Slash Island label. It was produced by Anthrax, Eddie Kramer, and John Zazula, and was recorded in 1986 at Quadradial Studios, Miami, Florida, and Compass Point Studios, Nassau, Bahamas. It reached number 18 on the UK Albums Chart, and number 62 on the US Billboard 200, and is certified Gold by the RIAA. Next, here's the band's lineup card. We have Joey Belladonna on lead vocals, Dan Spitz on lead guitar and backing vocals, Scott Ian on rhythm guitar and backing vocals, Frank Bello on bass guitar, and Charlie Benanti on drums. Now it's time for a track-by-track analysis of this album. The lead-off track is the title track, Among the Living, written by Anthrax. With a simple guitar riff that is built upon itself, getting heavier and heavier as more instruments join in until the track blows up into a thrash groove. Of the big four thrash bands, I feel like anthrax sound is the most different from the other stylistically, and when this song kicks in, it goes into what I'll refer to as the anthrax beat. I consider the typical thrash beat to be a very fast kick-snare pattern, sometimes even utilizing double bass, but in a steady oompa 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 oompa, oompa rhythm. In quite a few Anthrax songs, the snare cracks on all the beats, ba 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 ba, with a kick underneath, sometimes in double time, sometimes not, and the guitar riffs stay in line with this rhythm, and it gives those particular songs a constant hammering presence, similar to hardcore punk rock. This track has the Anthrax beat with Charlie Benanti double kicking underneath, and it comes on like a freight train. I dig the crunchy guitar tones and the bass isn't drowned out by them, which I love. Charlie mixes up the rhythms and tempos from verse to pre-chorus to chorus, and things never get dull. The lyrics are inspired by, and references, the Stephen King novel The Stand, about a super virus that wipes out most of the world's population, along with an evil figure, the Walkin' Dude, who is the villain of the story and is apparently demonic. Joey sings and shouts and screams his head off, along with the shouted background vocals, and this track sets the tone for the rest of the record. Good shit. The next track is Caught in a Mosh, written by Anthrax. This one starts off with a few strummed chords, and then Frank Bello comes in with a top bass line that the guitar soon join with to create a badass metal riff. The pace picks up, and it turns into a traditional thrash beat with another memorable riff in the verses. Joey sings about having to deal with assholes and idiots who are closed-minded and won't see different points of view, so they insult and spew hatred, and Joey feels it's like being in a mosh, which in heavy metal terms is the pit that opens up during concerts where violent slam dancing between fans takes place. It's a way to release aggression and pent-up steam that's a regular occurrence at thrash metal shows. It's interesting to note, that because Anthrax was an East Coast, New York City-based band, there are traces of rap and hip-hop influences in their music, especially in the vocals, where the ends of verse lines and many choruses are shouted out by the entire band as opposed to being sung, something that rap artists tended to favor in their music. Scott Ian in particular was an early champion of rap, and that led Anthrax to experiment with rap elements, culminating in a collaboration with Rap Legend's Public Enemy. But this track, in my opinion, belongs to Frank Bellow, as his bass drives this song and he adds little flourishes all over the song that are cool as fuck. This slamming track is an Anthrax mainstay, one of their signature songs, and often is their concert opener. What is it? Moving on through the album, we get I Am The Law, written by Anthrax and Danny Lilker. Most of this track stays at a below-thrash tempo, but the riffs are still heavier than a beached whale. The lyrics are specifically about the longtime comic book character Judge Dredd, a law enforcement judicial officer in a dystopian future. The song refers to elements straight from the comic, including locales and supporting characters, and Joey belts out the vocals with conviction, even ripping out a long scream after the solo section. The solo section itself is sped up into the thrash beat, and Dan Spitz plays a good harmonized guitar solo. The tempo drops back down for a bridge section with Anthrax trademark shouted vocals before finishing with the final chorus. This is another classic Anthrax track and a concert staple, and of course, I dig the shit out of it. We continue now with Niku Fesson, NFL, written by Anthrax. <laughs> The basic riff chugs along like a locomotive, heavy and crunchy. Scott Ian was as good a thrash rhythm guitarist as anyone you care to name back then, and his right hand ranks up there with your Hetfields and Mustangs, in my opinion. The Anthrax beat returns in the pre-chorus, as once again the music switches rhythms and tempos in the different sections so your ear never gets tired or bored. The lyrics this time are about John Belushi, an actor and comedian who rose to fame on the sketch comedy TV show Saturday Night Live in the mid-70s and he died from overdosing drugs in 1982 at the age of only 33. The title of this track is Nice Fucking Life Spelled Backwards, sort of. And honestly, I have no idea why they did that. Maybe to be funny or different, but it's kind of dopey. When I first saw it, I thought it was a misprint or a word in another language I didn't know. This is a good song, done in typical Anthrax style, with more shouted vocals and Anthrax beats. The following track is A Skeleton in the Closet written by Anthrax. This is one of my favorite riffs on the record, played over the Anthrax beat, with Charlie's fast double kicks holding it all up. Frank Bellow's bass is also a highlight on this track, as he plays some cool creative bass lines and doesn't always just follow along with a riff. For the second time on the album, the lyrics reference a Stephen King story, this time a novella titled Apt Pupil from the book Different Seasons. In this story, a high school kid discovers that an elderly Nazi war criminal is hiding and living nearby and blackmails the old man into telling him stories about the Holocaust atrocities, eventually escalating into murder. This heavy song pounds like a jackhammer and barely pauses for a breath, the vocals in the chorus barked out and driving the point home. I fucking love this track, and I feel like it's a bit overlooked and overshadowed by the more well-known tracks on the album. So let's flip the imaginary record over and drop the imaginary needle on Indians written by Anthrax. Charlie starts this off with a tribal style beat and the initial riff has what is typically thought of as a Native American war dance musical theme running through it. Whether it actually came from Native American culture or not, I don't know. Then it goes into a fast thrash metal beat that will appear again in the pre-chorus before settling into a slower but still thrashy groove. Joey sings about the historical plight of Native Americans and how they have been badly mistreated and forced to live on reservations by the white settlers. Of course, the song title and chorus refers to these people as Indians, which today in 2018 is politically incorrect. But the band means well, and I don't know how the Native American community views this song, or if they're even really aware of it. Charlie Benanti's Powerhouse Drumming carries this one for me, and Charlie is recognized as one of the great thrash metal drummers, no doubt, but he also is responsible for writing the bulk of Anthrax music throughout its history, so along with Scott Ian, he is one of the truly indispensable members of this band. This song really brings the different rhythm and tempo changes and is yet another Anthrax classic from this record. It was released as a single and is played at most shows. Next up is One World, written by Anthrax. This is another raging thrash song, with multiple sections and different rhythms and tempos again. The intro riff is killer and doubles as the chorus riff, with the shouted ONE WORLD serving as the catchy hook. The lyrics are about the threat of nuclear war, which was a very real and terrifying possibility in the 80s, and a plea for the nuclear nations to think about what that would mean and realize that we all share one world. Joey's voice is suitable for this material. It's got a good tone and good range, but it's smooth and clean and lacks the grit and growl of some other metal vocalists. This song is all over the place, from furious thrashing to awesome and pounding heavy riffing, and it kicks my ass hard. The penultimate track is ADI slash Horror of It All, written by Anthrax. I supposedly stands for Arabian Douchebag Intro, go figure what that means, but it's a mournful and pretty acoustic piece, which then becomes another heavy-ass tune with tough riffs and Charlie keeping the beats in the mid-tempo range for the most part. The lyrics are about the late great Metallica bassist Cliff Burton, who was killed while Anthrax was on tour with Metallica in Sweden. The incident affected the band greatly, and Joey's voice is filled with grief, pain, and anger. Towards the end of the track, it speeds up into thrash territory, and Joey really screams out as the band ride the song out as it fades. This track is affecting, and the heartfelt emotion comes across clearly. As an aside, Anthrax dedicated the entire Among the Living album to Cliff. And that brings us to the final track, Imitation of Life, written by Anthrax and Danny Lilker. This tune begins with a buzzsaw riff that's played at a slower, mid-tempo pace, but still slams your ears. Then the riff changes up and the track explodes into brutal thrash, ripping along at breakneck speed. The anger-fueled lyrics are a rant against fake plastic people in the music business, including other bands and record executives, who say one thing but have no clue what they're actually talking about. This track was co-written with Danny Lilker, one of the founders of Anthrax along with Scott Ian, and Lilker was the bass player on the first Anthrax album, Fistful of Metal. In truth, this song is a remake of the Stormtroopers of Death song, Aren't You Hungry, and S.O.D. has deep ties to Anthrax, since Lilker, Scott Ian, and Charlie Benante were members of it. This is a pummeling closing track, but on an album with so many winners, something's gotta give. And this, unfortunately, is my least favorite, so it gets the tag... Now that the track-by-track is done, I'll go into my final thoughts and album rating. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0-5 system, with 5 being a favorite album of mine, all the way down to a 0, which sucks total ass. Of the big four thrash metal bands, Anthrax is generally perceived as the fourth, the least popular and least influential, and if you measure success in terms of album sales, it's true that they don't measure up to Metallica, Slayer, and Megadeth. But I would argue that in terms of heaviness and sheer musical talent, Anthrax is right there with the other three, and their place in the Big Four is assured. It's interesting to note that they are the only East Coast band of the four, and that fact allowed different influences as diverse as hip hop and New York hardcore to seep into the music. They also had a sense of humor about them and a playfulness on stage that the deadly serious California Thrash Band seemed to lack. Anthrax looked like they were having fun up there in their baggy shorts and their lyrics occasionally had pop culture references and other unusual subject matter for metal in that era. The mid-80s were an early peak for thrash, as the Big Four released what some considered to be landmark albums in 1986 and 87. Among the Living was the last of this batch of records, and it solidified Anthrax status and propelled them to the forefront of the thrash movement that was crashing through the door to the mainstream. They knew they had strong material going into the project and stood their ground when famed co-producer Eddie Kramer delivered a modern poppy sheen to the original mixes of these tracks. The band hated these mixes and forced them to be remixed, remaining relatively dry with little reverb so they would be up front and in your face like how most thrash metal albums sounded like at the time. Anthrax sensed they were on the verge of breaking big and that confidence is reflected in this record. For many people, this is the band's best album, as many of these songs are still being played today, and the whole record has been played live at various points throughout Anthrax's career. It's not my favorite, but there's no denying it's one of their best, and I give Among the Living a four. This is the classic lineup of Anthrax, delivering some of their very best material, and this album set the standard for Anthrax going forward. I now want to take a few moments to thank all the listeners who have downloaded and listened to the show, as well as all of those who have liked and shared the podcast on Facebook. We've started getting iTunes reviews, and we'd like to see those keep on coming as they make the podcast more visible to people who might be looking for a podcast like this one. We have regular listeners now from all over the world, and we're thankful to each and every one of you for giving us a listen. So to all of you out there, thanks again and rock on. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do that, I'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast. You can also review the show on Facebook if you prefer to do it that way. And yes, I'll read your Facebook review on the podcast. You want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with me? Shoot me an email. We'll set it up. I'm always looking for co-pilots to host the show with me, and I would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. I'd love to hear from you. And lastly, here at R4... We thank you so much for giving this podcast a listen, and a massive thank you if you like and support the show. Take care, and I'll catch you later. Continue now with evil nikof evil of fuck ha <laughs> fucking fuck, and and fuck. <laughs> oh shit I, i've always had trouble with this one i've always had trouble pronouncing this one this is such bullshit why did they even do this i don't fucking get it this it's fucking cute isn't that funny <laughs> nice fucking life backwards <laughs> when i first heard this i thought they said evil naked pheasant that's what i thought it was <laughs> evil naked pheasant e f l evil naked pheasant